Hey everyone, welcome to Unlikely to Apologize. I'm one of your hosts, Nikki. And I'm Heather. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Well, by the time people are listening to this, it will not be Halloween, but we're recording on Halloween. So happy Halloween! Here we are. Here we are. Don't we both look scary. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, what is that? There's this one piece of my hair that literally just sticking straight out to the side. And I don't, I don't know why, but it's like a weird, like it's a, you know what it yeah. is? It's an upside down horn. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. I just take a picture of it. Yeah. Post it on the story so everybody can see it. <sighs> anyway, how was your weekend? It was your anniversary. Let's hear about it. <laughs> Excuse me, guys. I'm so sorry. It was good. Um, what did we do Friday night? We went out, we watched... Uh, the World Series at our favorite local bar, Bon Air. Um, Saturday, we took the dogs to like the park and we had lunch at the Domain. And then Saturday night, we went, to, we went to Bartlett's, which I've never been to before. And I am obsessed. Oh, we love Bartlett's. Yeah. It's so, and I was, it was so funny because I was comparing them to, we did Perry's Steakhouse a couple years ago for our interview. And everybody's like, oh, Perry's is great. Perry's is great. And I was like, let down by it. Like, I didn't think it was great. I loved everything about our dinner Saturday night. Like, no, I can't remember Perry's. I know I've been there like once, maybe. Yeah. They used to be really popular, and I don't know if they still have this. I never went, but on Fridays, maybe their Friday pork chop lunch or something like yes. that. I never had it, but it was like the huge like. So thing. one of the things about me, and it's like a like an inside joke between John and I, is that. Whenever we go to a steakhouse or we go out to a fancy dinner, I always get the pork chop. I don't know why. It's just, and it's always been so good, like to the point where John regrets his meal, like, and wants to eat mine. So when I heard about Perry's like pork chop, I'm like, all right, this is my this is my jam. Like, I'm gonna get the best of the best because that's what everybody says. I was so let down. I was like, oh, I see. I never had it. It wasn't good. No. I feel like Shane said the same thing, but maybe maybe it wasn't Shane. Maybe it was somebody else. Cause I think he used to go and get it and like it. Maybe it wasn't. Yeah, and I, like Haley, Haley and Ryan love it too. And I think one of the things that we kind of chalked it up to was like, all right, it was like a Tuesday night. Like, you know, so maybe it just wasn't the A staff they're cooking. So maybe it's that, but still there should be consistency yeah. in the meals. Anyways, Bartlett's 100%. I loved everything about it. Our server was great. The food was absolutely delicious. My pork chop was absolutely delicious. Bartlett's is good. Sometimes when I meet Ray for lunch, we meet there because it's so yeah. good. Yeah, and I know John. John's gone because him and Shane have had lunch there, and they've um done work there, so they would yeah. just so. Um, but yeah, it was really nice. And then yesterday, uh, we kind of fucked up as adults and um decided we were going to go watch football. You know, not at like noon. We were like, we'll go for the three o'clock games or the three thirty games. And we went downtown, like, because he wanted to go to a 49ers bar. So it's like 2.15. He's like, so do you want to go? And I'm like, all right, I guess we'll go. Because part of me is like, you know, we've been drinking all week and I kind of really don't. Yeah. Well, it was like 9.30 at night and we were on Rainy Street. I'm like, we need to go home. (laughs) (laughs) You forgot how old you are. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Or maybe it was like 8.30. I think it was like 8.30. I think we were in bed by 10. But yeah, we were up on like rainy street and everybody was dressed up. And I was like, this is, this is, I forget that our, our anniversary is Halloween weekend. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that was, that was it. It was fun. Well, happy anniversary. Yeah. 11 years married? 11 years married. Yeah. It's a long time. That is a long time. <laughs> we just had our seven year and I'm like, geez, that's long. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I say 11 years married, but we've been together for 17, which to me is just like, I don't think I ever imagined being with somebody for as long as we have. If that sounds like, I remember joking to my parents, like, how did you, like their 25th anniversary, like, how did you stay with somebody for that long? Like, and I guess it comes down to like making sure you have the right partner, clearly. (laughs) Yeah. Or being willing to make it work no matter what. And like that, I mean, my parents just, uh, they've been together. I think they've been together for 45 years now. They met when they were like 14. Uh, Yeah. That's how my parents were. My mom was 14. I think my dad was 16. But I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. 
I mean, and you know, we're on that path. It's going to happen someday. It's just, yeah. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm yeah. like super happy too on Saturday. So I wrote like that long, like, oh, I thought beautiful post because I was like, because it's true. Or like one of the things that him and I always talk about was how communication. And I was reminded of this this weekend because yesterday when we were on rainy street, we met like a younger couple. And that was one of the, they asked us like, you know, how did we, how have we lasted so long or whatever? And John was communication. And I said, and I said, yes, unfiltered communication, being able to like say what you want when you want to say it. And then I said that line again, is that, you know, for better or for worse, but I feel like on the worst days are harder or have more love in them because you have to work harder. Right. Like it's, it's, it's so weird to like, put that in writing and un- like looking back and go, Oh yeah. Like those are the days that you like when it's a, when it's a bad day, like I don't, you know, like, yeah, no, <laughs> like, I've said, know. I've said, you know, with going through our whole infertility and IVF and all that crap that we went through, like, there's nobody that I, we, I mean, like there's nobody I could have made it through, you know, than with Shane. I mean, the, he was so supportive um and loving even when I was on hormones and crazy and mean and he still like yeah you know and he he has said you know before that if he's like if I didn't love you as much as I did he's like there's no way that I would have been able to stick through you or stick by you you know through I mean some of you were mean yeah and that like that's the thing too right those are the days where you really do test the love you have for a person right right <clears throat> like John, yeah, I know, was- definitely better or worse and it's the, the it's easy to be with to stay with somebody when it's good oh yeah wow like it, it's it really the- matters yeah. what they stick around for as far as like the bad right um, so yeah and so- how bad it can get I mean right, right you know I mean I have friends whose marriages ended after a, one of their parents died because they couldn't and I'm just like thank thankfully we haven't had to experience, you know, a, a loss of a parent yet. But I mean, my grandma just died and I was really close with my grandma. And I mean, so there's, I mean, there are hard times and it's not all rainbows and butterflies, but I definitely agree. Like having somebody who you can, you know, thrive with during the hard times is really what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. Choose your partner wisely. <laughs> all right anyways <laughs> how was oh, your week? with that said <laughs> welcome to nikki and heather's therapy session <laughs> or advice <laughs> call what would that be i don't even think that was therapy like advice anyway i don't even know switching all know. the gears it's monday for us guys it's monday yeah. for us um let's talk about amber yes let's talk about amber i love amber i've known amber oh my gosh I've known Amber for a long time. So Amber used to do my nails when she lived in Austin. Um, I was a client of hers at one of her salons. I followed her when she opened her own nail salon. Um, through COVID, she talks about, she tells us during COVID, she did home, home visits. She would come to my house. Honestly, those were my favorite. I loved <laughs> when she came to my house. Um, and I was very sad for me, but very happy for her when she moved back North because I knew that she needed the support that she was going to get there. Amber is a single mom. She is a badass single mom. I love following her on Instagram because seeing her with her sweet boy is, it's really, it's really nice to see because you can tell when she's with him, you know, when she's not at work. And she's with him. She's fully present with him. So I just think that that's really great that she's actually able to run a successful business as a business owner and also be a very present, loving single mom. Right. I think she's adorable. She's so cute. I love Um, her. So I agree with everything you said. It was refreshing to hear, you know, little things about making sure she wants, she was taking care of herself so she can take care of her son. Very One of the things that I love from a lot of like moms we've talked to, regardless of business ownership and what is recognizing that one fact, like 
if I'm not taking care of myself, I can't take care of other people. And it has, maybe it's not even just mom. It's, it's just women in general. Like that sits with me so much. Like you can't be like the best or sit in a seat of some sorts without making sure you're okay. And she recognized that and she made a plan to fix that because she wanted, she wanted to be better. Um, and I, I, I love that about her. So this was definitely a, a good conversation. Yes. I'm so proud of her and everything she does. I just, I've always loved Amber. So I just, I might be biased, but I think she's phenomenal. <laughs> Great. So um, without giving too much away, right? Like, this yes, is, yeah. we so. like to have our guests tell you for themselves, because I think it's so much better coming from them. Right. So <clears throat> we hope you enjoy this episode. As always, please give us a rate, give us a review, help us share all of these women's stories because I think Heather and I have made it a personal mission <laughs> it to has get these definitely stories. Become a personal mission to get these stories out there. They're just so good. They are. And I, I think the world needs to hear them. So do us a favor, rate, review, like, share, click, love, all the things. All the things. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Unlikely to Apologize Podcast. You can also find us on our personal ones. I'm Nikki underscore Cams. Heather Lynn Flores. Um, you could also send us an email at hello at unlikely to apologize.com. And I have to say that I am able to race through that now without even a thought. Took you almost remember, a year. <laughs> remember how awful it used to be? <laughs> what I what I love is that we used to be like, oh my God, it has to be perfect. And we would cut recording and like piece it together. And then we were just like, F it. It is what it is. And now look at you. You're a pro. I know. I'm a pro. So yes. Hello. I'd unlikely to apologize. Um, dot com. Any feedback uh, is great. Uh, I think it's also too, after we wind down, we have about two more interviews left in this series. We um, so we thank you all for who have participated and, and commented and let us know how much you guys love this series. So, um, that has been super exciting. Um, so we will return to regular scheduling after those two episodes. And yeah, we'll have, we have, let me look, we have the ninth and the 16th and then the week of Thanksgiving, Nikki and I are planning something fun and then. Can you believe it'll be the end of the year almost? We do yes. have something else fun we're trying to work on with our husbands. Yeah, so after we get through this series, you'll have an episode from us with all of the December plans. So yes. Anyway, we really hope that you love Amber as much as we do. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hi, Amber. Thanks for joining us today. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm excited Hello. to be here. How are you today? Um, I'm I'm doing as good as I can. I'm being super lazy today. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be super lazy today too. Um, anyhow, well, we asked you to be here because we're talking about women-owned small businesses and you are a woman who owns a small business. So tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, so... I am Amber Pereno. Um, I am a licensed nail tech and I have my own private studio in upstate New York. Mm, that's fun. So you just moved back to New York. What did you do? Or I guess, where do you want to start with this? Do you want to start at the very beginning or do you want to kind of, how do you want to do this? Um, we can start. <laughs> wherever we want um yeah so I just moved back to New York um a little over a year ago I was in Austin um Texas for seven years which is where I met you yes so take us I guess through what made you decide you wanted to do nails so I was 18 when I decided to do nails I was going to college and I decided that that was just not it for me. School is not my strong suit. And so I didn't know what to do, but I did know that I thought this girl I went to high school with was super cool and she was doing nails. And so I was like, I'm going to do nails too. 
So what did, what kind of, what steps did you take to kind of begin that journey? Um, so the first thing I did was tell my mom that I'm dropping out of college and going to beauty school. And she told me that was um, not the best idea, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to do what I want. Right. So I signed up at a local beauty college and my program was so fast. It was like two and a half months. Oh, um, wow. I, yeah. Schooling is, is for nails at least is super quick. And so I got done with that, um, took my exam to get licensed. And then I started working in a natural nail um, salon and spa, which was weird for me because I wanted to really focus on acrylics when I first started going to school. Well, I guess acrylics were super popular back in the day. So is that why, or did you have a different reason for wanting? So I grew up getting my nails done and I always had acrylics on. And so I just loved everything about that. It always made me feel like beautiful and put together. And I rocked those like long Jersey shore nails. That was oh, we all did. I had like the airbrush design. I think I even have a picture of me with like the Playboy bunny on my ring finger. Like that's how tacky I used to be with my acrylics. <laughs> I think we all at one point were. So how was it then going from, okay, I went to beauty school. I want to do nails. I'm going to do acrylics to being like, nope, you got a job and we don't do acrylics. It was, it was fine. Um, I was wearing those really long, crazy nails um, though in the studio or in the salon and that didn't really like represent their brand. And I remember getting written up one day for my nails because they said that they were a distraction to clients. Oh, so you had to take off. So you had to, it was one of those, like you had to practice what you preach kind of thing. Like we only do natural nails. So you have to do natural nails. Yes. And you know what? That lesson never stuck into like probably like five years ago in my career oh the practice what you preach yeah right I think well, it's easier to tell people what to do than to do it yourself right yeah, for sure yeah, and it's a concept too that right like you you need to represent what a brand and what it is that you're trying to sell and if you're not coming in with natural nails and people see this other thing they don't do I'm sure it causes questions come up. Oh, where'd you get your nails done? They look so nice. Do you guys do that here? I'm sure that caused, that would be kind of like the disruption, right? Yeah. Um, so when you were there and like, obviously you got written up and how long were you there for until you're like, okay, I think I want to like move on to something else. So I was there for five years. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I was there a pretty long time. Um and the only reason I left when I did is because I was moving to Austin. Hmm. Yeah. So what did you do when you got here? So when I got to Austin, I, um, I got a job at a salon and spa because that was the environment I was used to. And I quickly realized that I really wanted to be somewhere that focused on nails specifically. And so I ended up in a nail studio in Austin um, that really focused on gel polish manicures, which is something I love. They use the products I like to use, um, focused on continuing education, which is important to me. And nail art was um, super fun to do and um, really like growing at that time. So what, when you say continuing education, what kinds of courses did you take to continue to grow your skill set? I took probably like everything I could and when I could. So anything from, I would take classes like specific to the brands we were using, like, um, like a gel polish masterclass. And then I would take social media classes, classes on how to communicate with clients and people literally oh, every wow. kind of knowledge I could soak up like I would and I and I do oh I love that yeah those sound like some like I feel like a social media class would be kind of cool like because social media right is was coming up and 
in, in marketing and stuff. So knowing how to do that. So when you were at that salon and you were doing, were you a nail tech or did you move up or what, I guess, what is the career trajectory for a nail tech in a salon or a studio? So every studio is different. Um, I, I knew where I wanted to go with my career, right. And that has sort of evolved throughout and I've, um, changed course and whatever, but for me in a studio, I knew I wanted to manage at some point. Right. And so I started, um, as a nail tech and then a lead nail tech, and then eventually got into management where I was both managing the salon and working behind the chair simultaneously simultaneously <laughs> okay well that sounds like a, so what what year was this was this like how long had you been a nail tech before you moved into the management role so I got my license in 2009 and I started managing in 2018 okay so nine years <laughs> well I guess go ahead I was gonna say, so you have all this experience because you sat behind the chair. So you kind of got to see like what management was doing that you were able to kind of pinpoint what you didn't like, what you would, what you do like, what you would change, what you would enhance. So when you got into this position, did you kind of take all of that into consideration being from the bottom and then like working up to the top? When I got into management, I thought it would be like this easy transition to me, right? Because I've been a nail tech now for almost 10 years. Like I know what I'm doing. Um, but what I didn't realize was your relationship with your clients is different than your relationship with your employees um, and sort of balancing keeping the nail techs happy and keeping ownership happy. Right. So I actually, I had to take a step back and it was like learning a new skill all over again. I really had to now to take education to become a great leader in the salon. Um, and I had a meeting with one of the nail techs a little bit into like my management career and she, we were struggling a little bit and she told me that I forgot what it was to be a nail tech. And like, I didn't know what she meant until a, probably a few weeks later, I was sitting in the back room, like just filling um, cups for like scrub and mask that we use in service. And I was like, this is what she meant. Like, I haven't been doing this stuff with them anymore. Right. Um, and th that was a, a great, like, Oh my God. Okay. Like I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Being in management, like, like my past experience, that is the one thing that I always tried to do was, you know, continue to work as if I was somebody who was, you know, on my team or, you know, reported to me. So I can still understand and, and resonate with what they're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. Because I do feel like when you get into that management position, you're thrown, so many things are thrown at you that you have to take care of and you have all these new roles that you do forget, okay, this is what it's like to be in that position. This is how stressful that day can be. As a manager, you need to start thinking, okay, I was there, how how was this when I was doing it? And then you kind of try to shift focus to try to figure out a way to make their lives easier because you've experienced it. It's kind of a tough line to like dance on. I feel like I had I had a struggle with it at first, and then I finally found my groove in it, where I would do like an hour of my day or two hours of my day would be in the trenches working with them. So I know how much time it was taking them to do you know X Y Z. So I can go, okay, this is a problem. Let's let's fix this. So yeah, that's that's a realization I think all managers have at some point. Um, and some managers don't even recognize it, right? I've worked with people who just totally forgot that they were ever in, in the position that I was and not even have empathy to what it is that they're doing every day. They just want you to get your job done. So one of the, one of the things I always look for when, when going to new jobs or, you know, meeting new managers is I always look for that. Like, do you know what it's like to sit in this position? Because it's hard to take direction from somebody who has no idea what you're doing every day. I definitely agree with that. I've never been a manager, but I've been an employee and any company that I've ever worked with or any job role. Um, I guess I had two major careers. I was a family law paralegal. 
But I started as like the runner of the office making $10 an hour, which was like the bitch position. And so I started in that position and worked my way up. And I feel like I had a greater appreciation for the other people in the office doing those roles because I had done it. So I feel like it, I, I do think it is important, even if you come in as a manager position, that if you do, if you do sit alongside with your employees kind of doing, you know, and it doesn't have to be often, but if you spend some time doing it, you do kind of be like, oh, okay, this is what it's like to be in this position. And this is kind of the things that they're saying if they're complaining or they're struggling or they have questions or they're requesting things. So I definitely agree that that's, it's, it's, you just have an appreciation for what they're doing. Right. Especially when something's coming up from higher, like when you're in a higher position, you have all these things coming at you and it's always like, well, just, just do it. Like sometimes I, I remember going back, just, just do your job. Like, and then having it be like a rapid complaint or like multiple complaints for the same thing. I'm like, okay, let's, let's figure out what this is all about. So yeah. Um, it's a lot to take on. So after you realize like, okay, I'm not behind the chair anymore. I need to start doing all these things. Did that kind of like change your um, thought of where you want to be in your career? Were you kind of hindered in some of the decisions you want to make? Because of course, now that this is brought to your attention, you're probably thinking, I want to make this better for them. Did you have any challenges of trying to implement processes and whatnot, but being shut down from higher ups? Yeah, so I felt like... <clears throat> you know in a nail studio like we're service based and we're making money based on you know how many services we're doing and how quickly we can do them right but we still want to offer quality and so there was a lot of pressure from both sides when it came to things like why can't the techs you know do a gel manicure in 30 minutes back to back all day And then the techs are like, we need a break. And like, my back is hurting. And, you know, you're not only like physically touching people, but you're also taking on whatever, you know, issues your clients come to you with emotionally or mentally, you know, whatever. And so for me, that was really hard. It was like that tug of war between being profitable and making sure the techs were well-rested and could offer these quality services to keep clients in the door. Um, so I learned this really cool, um, I guess, term, and you can tell me as a manager, Nikki, if you've heard it too, it's called um, internal um, customer service. So meaning like the manager, your as the manager, your customers are your employees. And the employees then are taking care of the customer. So it all like trickles down as far as customer service and like running a smooth operation. Right. If you're, if your team or your, however you refer to the people that report to you, if they're not okay, then the structure that you've created is not okay. Um, I was very big with, with my team towards like maybe six to seven months into it because management was new to me too. I've never managed anybody. And now I manage five people. So now I had to take in consideration their mental health when they're sick, when they're not feeling well. Hey, when you're not feeling well, don't work because that's when mistakes happen. Take the day off, take some time for yourself. So yeah, it is developing this. You want to treat them as if they were your clients. I, I, I do understand that. And it's hard too, especially when you have death, like in my position, we had deadlines. So losing somebody for the day was a hard decision, but I would send people home. Hey, you have a headache. You're not feeling well. I don't want you to work because what's going to happen is you're not feeling well. You're not 100%. A mistake is going to happen. And now, you know, a week from now, we're finding that mistake. And now we're all scattering around trying to fix it. I'd rather you be 100% in it um, than trying to just make it through the day. Yeah, I love that. I, yeah, well, and, and when you're in a service-based business, if you have an employee, right, like if I'm going to get my nails done, I'm not wanting my nail tech to have a bad attitude or, you know, not be friendly or, and I feel like the, the, the customer service front, I mean, I worked in a gym for years. I was the front desk receptionist for like from 16 to, I don't know, 20, 20. So it was like four years of that. But I mean, even just in that, like when your customers are coming in and you're, you're the first person and you're greeting people, the way you present yourself will affect them. 
right. and their experience in your establishment. So I feel like it's even it's even bigger when you are doing a service based because right if you aren't friendly and you have the wrong client or you have a client coming in and they're having a shitty day and then the nail tech is tired and overworked and they're it's just a bad mix and then that client's going to leave and tell their friends don't go to this place and it's just a whole right i mean how many times have we amongst our friends like, like restaurants or whatever and i come from restaurant business and bar ownership you know, you go to a restaurant and go, food was good, but service was terrible. Like, yeah. don't go there. We waited, you know, like it's a constant battle with those things, but you have to remember that these people are human, right? Like they're right. going to have bad days. One of, I had a manager in the past that once told me that I'm only as strong as the people underneath me. So she basically said that the way that she felt with it is if you aren't at your best, then I'm not at my best. So right. she, she would constantly try to make sure that we were all okay. Right. If there was a weak link or if there was it, let's let's all work on why this is this isn't working. Um, I learned a lot from her. I love I loved she was probably my favorite manager throughout my whole career. She was very much in tune with the people around her. And that's a big thing, too. Being in a management position, you have to be in tune to those things um, because it is a reflection of you, even though it has nothing to do with you. It's still a reflection to you and how you're running that team or that department or whatnot. Managers it's, it's just like business ownership in the sense it's not as glorified glamorous as people think it is. Right. You know, I was always like, I want to be a manager. I want to do this. And then I got into it and I was like, I'm tired of this. Like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. So yeah, it's, it's, they're humans. That's really what it is. Right. They're just like you and me, you, when you have people report to you and, you, and I think that in management positions, some people forget that these are actual people with feelings and lives and you know they go home and they don't leave their job at, you know at the door they bring their job at home with them so it's a it's a lot to take on in that management position because it's like I like to compare it sometimes like having children right like you need to make sure everybody's happy everybody's fed <laughs> everybody gets break like it's kind of in that sense like it's 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 a weird relationship I guess is what I'm trying to get at so did learning all of that stuff did that kind of push you towards like moving out of it, starting your own? How long did you kind of deal with those challenges or what did you, or what did you implement or try to implement to help, you know, the people that were behind the chair? I'm thinking. <laughs> um, <clears throat> once I finally, you know, realized once I got that empathy piece as a manager, because like you said, like I wanted to manage, I think because I thought it was glamorous because I thought I could like come and go as I please and like have lunch during the day, you know, do whatever, but you don't see all the hard work that owners and managers, um, all the work that they're doing, like they're not just having lunch, they're on their laptops having lunch or whatever. And so, um, what did I implement to help? I, I just tried to really fight for the nail techs, like having a longer lunch or, you know, not having to make a day off when they're sick or when, you know, they have a family emergency. Um, I really tried hard to push for longer services and, and, um, simplifying like a menu that is easier on them, easier for our guests to understand. So how long were you in this role before you went off on your own? Like, what was that transition or what was the final push into, okay, I need to be on my own for whatever the reasons were, but like, what, where, how did that transition or when was that transition? So I, um, honestly COVID. Um, so I had my son in February of 2020, we locked down March of 2020 and I, the salon opened back up in May. And so there were so many changes and things happening. And I, um, you know, I was alone with a newborn at that time. And so I, I couldn't give the salon what they needed in a manager anymore. And the salon needed so much from me they couldn't give me that like day off or you know just that like grace of needing my my time and so <clears throat> for me I realized like 
when I no longer feel valued or seen, it's time for me to move on. And so I was like, okay, I need to do something. I was, I was like days away from being evicted out of my apartment with a newborn baby. And I was like, I'm going to go and do home services and, and, you know, see if that, that works and if clients want me to come to them and luckily they did they loved that (laughs) I was one of those clients and I can say that I did love that but I think the best part of you being able to do that is you could say this is when I'm available and you pick from this list of when I'm available not you you know not a boss telling you these are the hours you have to be in and so I think as like a single a single working mom, that's probably was the best part of that is you getting to set your hours and you getting to pick and choose the clients that you worked with. Yes, 100%. It was like, it was like the scariest and best thing I could do for myself. How long did you do service space or did you do going to people's houses before you, um, because you did, you did that for a little while, but then you did have, um, a shop where people would be able to come into you. How long did you do the home based before you, um, opened up and said, okay, now you can do either or. Yeah. So I started, um, with the home services in August and then by December I was, I was like, I need a space for all my stuff. I like, I'm feeling burnt out traveling so much. And so yeah, by from August to December is when I like made that move. I was still offering both and, you know, somewhere along the way, I, I think I started just offering home services on specific days and other days I would be in studio because going back, back and forth multiple days a week was just it was too much well it's a lot because you've got to pack up I mean right you don't just show up by yourself right you have a whole traveling kit that has to come with you to be able to do your appointments yes and I I didn't I like double polishes or anything like that and so I would literally have to pack up the studio bring it with me unpack it yeah it was no I remember that (laughs) So let's talk about your first studio that was just yours. It was adorable, by the way. I loved coming there. It was like this, this little room within like, um, it was like they had a bigger space with a bunch of little studios in it. And you had like your own little space and it was so cozy. Um, what, what was that like? Like when you, did you ever have a moment where you were sitting there and you're like, this is, this is mine. Like, and reflecting kind of on how you got from where you started to like, I have my own space. I have my own studio. You know, what did you, what did you call it? How did you come up with the name? Like, can you walk us through that? Yeah, sure. Um, thank you, by the way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) it was really, it was really exciting at first to have like my own studio and something to call, you know, mine, um, have my own services, my own rules, my own hours, my own prices, every, everything. Right. And, um, so my business was called strong beauty and that name actually came about a year or two prior. I was meeting with other managers in the industry. They actually worked, um, at a lash studio, I I believe. And we were kind of just talking about like how we could, um, like be there for one another as managers and, you know, kind of collaborate. And so we came up with this thing called strong beauty and I made an LLC out of it and and never did anything with it until I decided to go on my own. And I was like, Oh my God, I already have this LLC. Like, (laughs) perfect. (laughs) I'll just use this. (laughs) Using this. And you know, it kind it resonated a little bit with me. Like I'm in the beauty industry. I was, um, for a time I was really into like working out and, and my growth game and like being strong and, you know, being a single mom and, and, you know, trying to survive, there comes a strength with that. And so it, it did resonate for a while. So how long did you have that? And were you doing that, 
um, before you, I guess, mo- moved on because you moved back home. You left Austin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was in the studio from December and then I moved back home the following year in September. Um, and, you know, business, it was it was good and I was growing really fast. Um, but I did not have the capacity to hold that growth at the time I was struggling, like in my personal life and just figuring out like how to be a mom dealing with postpartum. Um, yeah. And so when I, when I moved back home, it it was time to come home and to relax and to sort of, I did try to hold on to the business and I had somebody working in there for me for a few months. We ended up closing in December. Um, and I did that without any shame or like, oh my God, I'm a failure. Like I really needed to rest. I could not hold space for this any longer. I feel like that's, that's something that most people don't admit. And so for you to be able to take that step back and say, I need to do what's best for me. I need to do what's best for my son, regardless of whatever that looks like. Right. Cause you were like, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm going home. I'm going to get the support that I need for myself so that I can be a better mom. And then I'll figure it out next. I feel like it's something that's really commendable because I don't feel like a lot of people would admit that. And I feel like they would look at it as like a shameful thing. So I'm really proud of you that, you know, and I obviously I miss you and I wish you were still here, but I remember you saying, you know, that you were leaving and why. And I just, I just have always been really proud of you for that. Thank you. I mean, it's a lot. I mean, a lot of the women we've talked to, I think, have some form or variation of burnout. And it does take a lot for somebody to kind of realize that they're in it because it is that first thing of like, I'm fine. Like, I'm this is just a lot right now. Let me just get through the week. I'll be fine next week. And the next week comes, you're like, I just need a little bit more time. And we have such a hard time going, okay, my head's on fire. I really need some water to put it out why don't we, why don't we figure this out? And I think, yeah, I think it's hard, especially as women, right? Because it, at least in, in my side of things, like I was surrounded by men. So having to need a mental break, like, or a mental health day, like that was not something that was necessarily understood because men don't have feelings, basically. Uh, they never really like got that. So it does take a lot to be like, okay, I need help. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. And I feel like that is I asking for help, I feel like is a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. And I think a lot of people confuse that and feel like, well, if I can't do X, Y, and Z, and I need to ask for help, that makes me weak. But I think that it's a, it's a huge sign of strength. So, okay, now you've moved back. How long before you started your business you have now and it has a different name so tell us um like take us through and tell us about your new business yeah so um it felt like eternity from the time I ended um strong beauty until I opened up um the nail room rock is what it's called now um And I remember asking myself, like, when are you going to like get up and do something? Because, you know, just working for somebody and like going through the motions, this is not, this isn't you, this isn't what you want. And, and then like, this is a conversation with myself. And I told myself, you know, when you're ready, when you're rested enough. And, and so I really took, um, I moved home in September and I did not open up my new business until almost June of this year. Um, Oh, wow. So you were able to take a lot of time and do what you needed to do. That's awesome that you were able to take that time. Yeah. I was like, why am I being like, I felt like, like I, I was like, am I being lazy? Like what is, but like, no, I needed to heal and rest and, and like regroup and find my footing again. And and, you know, just figure out like what could make me the best mom and, and allow myself free time that, that free time when I originally got into managing that I thought I would, would have, like, I still want and need that. And so 
I took my time with this business. Um, I have a nail studio again. I have set hours. I don't come in on my days off. Um, I'm not traveling anywhere, you know, as far as like going to see clients. Um, I still send my kid to daycare on those days off so that I can focus on like staying grounded. Right. Mm -hmm. That's really awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the, just the idea of like, like what you just said, like you still send your, your kids to daycare because you are acknowledging the fact that you still need time to yourself, right? Like you are a, a person first before you were a mom. And I think that's, that's amazing because we just had um, a woman on that we interviewed in uh, Jill. And one of the things she said, if I'm not okay, no one's okay. Right. So it's mm -hmm. a very big thing when somebody can admit, okay, I need this time and I'm not, it's not selfish. I'm doing it to better the people around me. I, I love that. I think that's great. Well, and the fact that you have the ability to do that is really great too that you are, but, and also recognize, right. What you need, because I feel like a lot of times, especially as you know, moms, you get so caught up in like the mom guilt and the shame and, Oh, I'm not, you know, I don't have any clients today, but I'm still going to send my son. Well, first of all, he needs the interaction with other kids as well. So the socialization that they get from being around other kids and the skills that he's learning are huge in its own. But also, yeah, I mean, if you're not, if you're constantly pushing yourself to your limit, there's no you refilling your own cup and there's no you giving your space for that. So I love that you're able to do that um, for you and him. Yeah, it's it's been really important to me and I'm not sure like it's important for everybody. Like I'll talk to people and be like, oh, why would I send my kid to daycare if I'm home all day? And I'm just like... I'm thinking like, why wouldn't you like, <laughs> well, but there's things that you need to do too, right? Like when you're home, right? Like you, you laundry, grocery shopping, clean the house, like all those little things to do so that when he is there, you can be a fully present mom. And he feels that right. He doesn't feel, Oh, mom's always doing this or mom's always doing that. It's like when you're with him, you are fully present with him. And he feels that in a way that is better off than he, him sitting there while you're folding laundry. Right. So if you had one piece of advice to give to somebody who is just starting out, or even if it's to your younger self, what would you, what would you tell them? Like, what would be your, your biggest piece of advice? I would say that, you know, it's okay to move on and move forward, like in a job or in a, in a town or a city, whatever, like take, what you need and take, um, take the lessons as they come and grow from that. But it is also okay to, you know, keep pushing to where you want to go and where you're meant to be. You don't have to stay put. Oh, I love that. Okay. Nikki, <laughs> ask my favorite question. <laughs> I was, I am already, I'm already lined up. <laughs> Do you have any regrets? I have no regrets. Love it. No, my favorite. Yes. I think so far, the only one that has had any regrets was Jill and it was boundaries or not setting right. them soon she, enough. But she started off with saying nothing. And then she's like, wait a minute, boundaries, because it's true, right? Like there's a lot of things in, in my life where if you were to ask me, if you were to ask me that same question, I'm going to immediately tell you, I have no regrets with anything that I've done in my life, especially in my career. Everything I did has got me to this place. When Jill said boundaries, I do go, yeah, like that's, I wish, and I don't know if it's necessarily a regret. I wish there was somebody to tell me that it's okay to say no, or it's okay to yeah. draw where it is that you want the respect or where it is that's, that's too much. Like being able to set that for myself was something I learned very late on in life. So I understand what Jill's kind of saying in that, like, I don't have regrets for anything, but I wish I knew how to set boundaries at a younger age. That's like a big mm -hmm. thing. No, and but- yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite thing though, is so every single person has said, no, like I have no regrets about anything that I've done in my career because it is, yeah, it's led me exactly where I am. So I love that you said that too. It's my favorite question to, when it gets asked. Cause I just, I'm like waiting on pins and needles. Like, are you going to say nothing to? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been really great with all the women that we've interviewed for this because 
you know, regrets shouldn't be a negative thing. Like it's things that you've had to face challenges or what you might consider a loss or a failure. It's not a regret. It's a lesson, right? Yeah. You need that to always, have mm-hmm. get knocked on your ass to be brought back to life, right? Like it's. it's I think a- Lauren said that too. I think she said nothing because everything's been a lesson. Right. Get off that high horse, as I always like to say. Knock me off my high horse so I can figure it out again. (laughs) I love it. Do you have anything else that you would like to share with our listeners before I ask you one final question? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, I think I'm ready for your question. What is one thing you used to apologize for in the past that you were unlikely to apologize for now? I am... At this point in my life, I am unlikely to apologize for just being happy and not, you know, coming to my friends with a million things to complain about. I'm just, I'm so content and so happy and safe right now. And, and I'm not apologizing for that. I love that. That's a good one. So if people wanted to see what you're all about and what you're doing, where can they find you? Yeah, so they can find me on Instagram, I think is where I'm most active, um, at Amber Perino. That's just my first and last name. Um, I have a professional page for my nail studio, too. That's at The Nail Room Rock, R-O-C. And you can check me out online, too, on my website. And that is thenailroomrock.com. And I will link everything in our show. Oh. I will link everything in our show notes, but will you tell us about your new, really fast, your new Instagram page with all of your delicious looking food? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know it's for fun, but yeah. I always see it and I'm like, Ooh, that looks delicious. <laughs> um, yeah. So like I, so I grew up in Rochester, New York, which is where um, Wegmans, the best grocery store ever uh, started. <laughs> and I, um, I have decided that for me, although like groceries are a little more expensive there, Wegmans is a non-negotiable for me. Like I love Wegmans. I'm obsessed. Um, Whenever I would come home to visit, Wegmans was literally the first stop I would make. Um, And so um, cooking is a creative outlet for me. I love to cook um, for my family. I love hosting, whatever. And so I started a new Instagram page called Wegmans says, and it's all about whatever Wegmans is telling me to make for dinner that night. I am making it. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love that. No, it's, I freaking love it. It's my favorite. I love when, when I get on Instagram and I see a new, a new story or a post and I'm always like, oh my God, that, that looks delicious. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the name because it, I think it's so funny because I do like, my joke is um, when I go to Target, I don't go to Target with a list. I let Target tell me what I need. And so when you, when you got on Instagram and I watched you have these stories and you were talking about what, you know, Wegman says, and it tells me what I need to make for dinner. I'm like, oh my God, I feel that so deep. You have no idea. So I love it. So I'll tag that one too. Cause I love that one. That's my favorite. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. All right. So I guess this will be it. And I thank you again so much for joining us and um, telling us about your journey and, you know, starting your own business. And um, it was really nice to meet you. Thank you. It's nice to meet you too. I miss your face. I miss you too.